Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul Angeline. And today we're talking about Finding Your GM Groove. Okay. He said that was a working title, but I guess he's going with it. <laughs> or something like <laughs> I'm like, you gotta ha- have to explain to me exactly what you mean by your groove. Okay, so GMing is a very interest to me it's a very interesting after after GM for a little since I was I forget, since the early eighties. That's it's, the nineteen eighties. <laughs> You're funny. Yes, uh, I guess it's 40 years ago, more. There you go. So I've been jamming for a long time, and I don't know when I realized it or when it really started thinking about what we do when we GM. But you really need a strange set of skills, right, and artistic talents to be a good GM. I mean, it's just it's strange as in the fact that you have to be able to talk and be able to describe things in a, in a way that people understand what you're talking about and you know be descriptive uh, speaker uh, be clear about what you're trying to convey and all, all kinds of things right sure and there, there are skills that you can learn right as as to be a better gm there's all kinds of tactics you can take to try to run a good game right but all that stuff sometimes it i'm not gonna say it's magic but Sometimes things align in a certain way that you really have a good time as a GM. Everything fits into place. The ball's rolling. There's, it's just a, like a well-oiled machine, all kinds of weird, uh, what is it, uh, things I can say to make it sound how it works. And though you can, like I said before, you can learn skills and stuff. There's no guarantee that you're, that you're going to, no guarantee that any session or any campaign is going to work and you're going to feel like, man, this is pretty, this is neat. This is going well. So what you're really talking about is the GM feeling good about GMing that right. and thinking that he is or doing she, a good job. That they are doing a good bo- job and that things just feel right. The idea that, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's like watching a movie that's really good and you're like, wow, that was a really good movie. And that, and that's the kind of feeling you get when when you're running the game you go, man that was a good session or that was a good campaign so this has happened to me uh, a few times over the years right i would i wouldn't say it happens all the time but it happens and it, it happens more and more more frequently now than it did earlier i mean when i mean when I, I was talking to you i forget what we're talking about but i said a, a big deal about why not that uh, not that we were playing the wrong way right if you're having fun, there's no wrong way to play. But we were playing hack and slash quite a bit when we were younger. And I, and I would say I played hack and slash up until, you know, the 2000s, right? And then it wasn't until I started playing with other people or having going to conventions. I've been going to conventions since the mid-80s, but I never played at conventions, right? I didn't start playing at a convention until I went to Dungeon Con, which was in 1991 or 92. And then I, a lot of times me and Felipe were hanging out. We just kind of played some games here and there and then uh, when my son was born you wanted to go to conventions because you didn't want to be left alone with the with the baby and so i said because you gave me the ultimatum you're not going to go unless we all go so we all went and have continued to go so over time i've run into people who have a different view of gming have a different view of how to play and it has expanded my ideas of what a good role-playing session is or what a good role-playing is in general. And it's not hack and slash anymore. There's, a, there's 
in-depth stories. There's things that that happen that make the characters, make the players more invested in the game. I think also that that was about the same time that more games were coming out and things were expanding yes. and people were coming up with those ideas. Right, right, right. Totally true. That's true. About two thousand, because before that, there was for me. There was only D and D, space opera, and dark conspiracy. Now those and tra- I mean traveler, but I like played that it. One. I know. Uh, hence why I've played space opera. There were other games, but you just didn't play them. But they all had the same kind of war game like right ideologies behind right. them. And, right? be- and or- because because of my conservative nature, my conservative town, and my town lacking any kind of game store. I didn't get into the whole Vampire the Masquerade, which really changed things a lot. So people who played Ma- Vampire Masquerade, those people, even I forget what year they that came out. It must have been in the mid in the nineties. I know it came out in the nineties. I don't know exactly when, but those people who played Masquerade had a different idea what role playing was than me uh, coming from my conservative little town in Salinas, uh, playing the way I did, playing with my friends the way we did. And I never, I never got that. I think that has a lot to do with the first game that you play, right? The you, you were a D and D person, That's that because that was the first game that you were introduced to. If you're introduced to Vampire the Masquerade or any of those kind of games, right. Then you're probably going to play a different way. Correct, and that's what I'm talking about. And so, even uh, every year I I play, every year I, I run games, I learn something, right? And then you just. And even doesn't have to be real significant. I'm just, oh, that was interesting. So that's something I can stick in my GM toolbox, as they say, and helps you become a better GM. So how does it have to do with getting your groove or whatever you want to call it? So I think there's certain things that will make you have a better chance of that happening, right? A feeling. So when you're talking about your 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 terminology is odd sometimes, but when you're talking about I'm a, this, I'm a product of the '70s. This getting your 80s. groove thing. I believe that what you're saying is feeling as if your GM style and your GMing makes you happy to do it and has your players enjoying the game. Right. Right. Okay. Just making sure that we're on the same I mean, page. everybody, you know, I've never said, man, your game sucks. I, I don't think so. I don't think I, I... You probably said it in your head. Well, I mean, I'm talking about people saying that to me. Oh. And now... I'm not saying that every game I've ever run, every session was fantastic or good even. Sometimes I, I, I really phoned it in. I'm like, oh, whatever. But other times, other times I can tell everybody was just jazzed about the game, right? So how do you achieve that? So to me, even though it doesn't guarantee this will happen, I think these are steps that will really help you get that chance to be in that groove, that real like, like I said, like everybody's just having a good time. And a lot of this is just GM tips too, but some of them are just, so GM as much as you can, right? So you GM as much as you can. You learn something from every single time you GM. The only thing I would say different is that, like me, in my first 10, 15 years of GMing, I mainly GM for just a very small segment of people. And that's all there was. So GM as much as you can. You still learn from every 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 session. You still learn, oh, that's, that didn't quite work so well. I won't do that in the future. Or somebody gave me an idea. Oh, that work, would work better, whether it's a player, right? I'm just going to say on your point here that you should, the 
the idea of, of that you GM for the same people is probably what most people do when they start out, right? Yes, yes, I totally agree with you. Because you're playing usually you're if it, if it's the kids you're playing with in high school, those are the people you know, right? So unless you're introduced to somebody different, that's the group that you're going to yeah. play with. With me, it was it was a little bit earlier. People around the time that I, well, except for Sip and Esteban, who I knew from grammar school, who I kind of coaxed into playing D&D with me and my brother because I couldn't play D&D by myself because original <laughs> D&D was very deadly. Uh, and my brother, I'm sure, gave us breaks because we actually didn't die except when he killed me when I was 8th level. But hey, we don't talk about that. It scarred me forever. But yeah, you basically play with the same group, especially coming from where we came from, which is little farm community Salinas, which like I said before in other, in other podcasts, we didn't have a, G, a gaming store in our town of let's say a hundred thousand and uh i'm going to say that a lot of people probably throughout the country are gaming in smaller towns yes. with less right but the, i think the only, the only place that sold it sold any kind of gaming stuff was this little hobby store right off of uh laurel avenue right by the cork and bottle uh laurel and uh natividad which was like this little hole in the wall. And it was a hobby store, which like model trains and stuff. Yeah. And it had a little rack that they had some RPG stuff, but not a lot. That was it. And then later on, when I was about an older teenager, uh, what is it called? The, the, the old bookstore? B. Dalton's yeah. had role-playing games, sex, small section. So play as much as you GM as much as you can. You, you're gonna learn stuff, and you can, and you're gonna find what works for you, what doesn't. Uh, the next thing I say is play different games, GM different games, right? Because you might one, there's different ideas in those game books, gaming tips. They all have how to GM this game, right? You know what's the purpose of the GM, and some of those things, some of those little blurbs in those books actually are helpful, and eye-opening at certain times right i always mention spirit of the century and when it's explaining about what are you gming for you're there to make not make but have fun with your players and if they're just they look bored and things are slow that's not fun and you have to infuse the fun to kickstart it right and it literally says throw in the ninjas, right? And send it, in the ninjas. Send in the, and, it, and they're like, oh no, we're not talking about metaphorical ninjas. We're talking literal ninjas, right? <laughs> and so I thought that was fun. I thought it was interesting. And uh, and there's a lot of gaming tips in, in various game books. Uh, also, you learn different systems. So you might actually like a different system more than the system you first started playing with. You know, that's happened to me. You know, we were playing AD&D. Uh, original D&D, AD&D, and we played AD&D for a while. Third edition came out. A year after that, I've, I happened to see it at a local hobby store here in San Jose. When I was on vacation, I go, hey, or was I, no, we were living here already. And I go, hey, does, does anybody want to play this again? Hence, and you've heard my story of how I got everybody together and started playing third edition. But I also played, you know, Space Opera, Dark Conspiracy, and all those different systems. They have a different way of role playing the different uh, mechanics and different mindset mindset of how to run a game so different games i think is a very good idea to gym different game uh play with different players now this is huge right because as a gm you get used to what your players want feeding them what they want and and sometimes that for a gm can get boring 
you could change up the players and they're like, oh, they don't want to hack and slash. They want to investigate things. They want to talk. Now, in no way is Saul telling you to dump your current group and go find a new group. No. He's just saying implement a new group or which these days is a lot easier than it was back in the day because oh, yeah. you can go to a, a local gaming store and usually they have either organized play right. or they have, I, I don't want to say a bulletin board, but they might still have that. I don't know. They have a, a website that tells you when you when different games are offered that you can go and play in. Right, and then and it's a, sometimes it's a bit more advanced than that. You can go on their. Uh, a lot of times they have uh, a different game store will have a certain night that they allow that they have role playing games yeah. scheduled, and you know that's what I said you know, the, on the website. On the website, oh yeah, no, you said bulletin board. I first. said that's the old way. <laughs> so they do have that, and and there's different ways. There's uh, roll twenty, and there's you know, all kinds of different ways you can find players and all this other stuff. So yeah, I'm just saying, you know, just mix it up a little bit and there's different ex- different play people have different expectations. expectations and what they want out of a game. So I think that's only a good idea is to play with different people. I didn't say dump your regular gaming group, just maybe infuse one or two people or, you know, have a rotating group of people that you play with or whatever or even more than one group. You know, I have that happen, so that's that has really expanded my horizons. I don't know what you want to call it, but my a view of different players want different things. And as a GM, it only helps you when you're when you're juggling all these different things. It makes you a better GM. Different expectations from different players. So, play with different players. Do some improv. I know I've talked about improv a lot. Uh, read a book about improv. Uh, take a class on improv. If there's a comedy club in your area, sometimes they have comedy improv comedians having classes and stuff and in fact it was funny because one of my co-workers he, he i was telling him about role-playing games and he, and he goes oh it's kind of like improv i go yeah sort of i go well, what do you know about that because when he was going to college he was taking improv classes and would go to a, a local comedy area here it's called comedy sports here it was comedy sports but it's also the comedy store or something. yeah something like that something downtown and they, they they'll have off nights where they'll just have Improv nights. Improv nights. Something for those local comedians to make a little bit of money on. And also they have like open night improv nights where you can like, when you build up enough courage and bravado, you can try to go up there. and Yeah, I want to do that. (laughs) But uh, read a book. Uh, I know Karen Twelves wrote this book called Improv and now they have an improv second edition coming out. Uh, Check it out. It has all kinds of little improv games. What exactly do you mean by, you just mean like talking to people and having people give you say something in you i know what improv is in comedy but i'm trying to put it together with role playing okay so one of the things that karen Twell's book has is called improv for gamers is that it has little games right improv games and uh and basically what they what a lot of improv is not being embarrassed about acting acting like a weirdo it's like our our christmas nights when we play pictionary and you have your entire family sitting around you trying to which is a huge family and you're trying to figure out what the person is drawing and everybody's throwing out ideas and then they're razzing each other because their ideas are silly (laughs) and you're and you have to stand up there and not be embarrassed because you can't draw well (laughs) i'm just saying is that what you're talking about? The the I of getting up in front of people and and embarrassing yourself. That that is true, right? Playing yeah. charades, different charades. kinds, of, different kinds of things that 
we've been doing for years, but you're talking about it in a gaming sense. Right. I think... I think socialization? There's socialization. Well, okay. I, I hate to say this, but in our society, I think, when you grow up, a lot of people expect you to grow up, right? Stop acting like a little kid, <laughs> right? And I think there's a loss of... There's a loss of fun when certain people take that to heart, right? I'm talking people, and it could be any generation, but like the, my parents, right? Who, I don't know what generation they were. They weren't boomers. They were before that. Yes. Right. And they were older than most people's parents. There was a time when the idea that it's time to pull the, put down childish things, right? You don't play pretend no more. You don't you stop playing games because that's for kids. So, I think as adults in this society, and I, I, don't know, I don't know if it's the same in Europe or whatever, but in last, at least in the United States, a lot of people are embarrassed to stand up and be silly. It's just, it's not deemed appropriate or whatever. I think they were kind of losing that with the millennials and stuff like that. But for the most part, people still have that idea that you're not supposed to uh, be silly and be a grown up and all this other stuff. I know it's a stretch, but yeah, there, it is true. I believe, I really believe this. So the hardest part of role playing is acting silly in front of people, acting like a knight. I'm going to strut in with my, do the voice. A lot of people don't do voices, right? They don't even try because they're embarrassed about it. And you can, and I, I'm terrible. He is. I'm terrible. I, I can attest to yes, this. You can attest to my, my accents are terrible, but I, uh, sometimes, you know, I'm, t I'm like, at a certain tables and stuff, I get taken away and I'm like, you know, doing whatever I'm doing. All right. And I think that's, that's part of. Well, when you run games for your kids and your friends, kids, it's a lot easier yes. to do voices because. But why is that in front of kids? Because they're, they, they like it. Right. And you don't feel so silly being silly in front of kids. So it, I, I think it also depends on, on the family that you grow up in. Right. Like your family is very boisterous, and I grew up in a very boisterous family. Okay. Um, and so you're, you, you know, when you're in a room and everyone is talking and there's like 30 people, you kind of get used to yelling, yelling or, or talking loudly. So people will pay attention or trying to get people's attention, right? So they'll, they'll talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. But there is that stigma of like, you know, the idea behind why I didn't like LARPs. Because I didn't want to stand up and pretend to be somebody and act like somebody the whole time. It was like foreign to me. And I kind of made fun of it. Going, oh, those people are crazy. But now I'm like, well, it's not so bad. I mean, I've never tried it, really. Well, but you have. In well, yeah, very, yeah. In very short sessions and stuff like that. But, but for the most part, I think most people are embarrassed of acting silly in front of other people. And what, what improv, a lot of the improv. Uh, uh, the idea. The books that. that Karen 12 wrote, there's a lot of little games in there to make you shed this embarrassment, right? And one of them is called Bunny Bunny or something like that, where you walk around and you hit Bunny and you, then that person gets up and they go around and they hit, tap somebody's head, they got to say Bunny Bunny. And, and it's a silly game until somebody messes up, the game's over, right? What's the point of that game, right? There's absolutely, it's to shed the idea of doing embarrassing things in front of other people. And that allows you to progress as a as a gm to be able to do voices to be able to do things that normally most people would would deem inappropriate i don't know if you've ever heard it i've definitely i definitely have heard of it why he was playing this silly game dungeons and dragons isn't that for kids i go yeah sort of i guess you know what i mean 
I mean, I don't know if you've ever. Well, you're not as out there as I am in in far as uh, representing my geek the, my geekness or my really. Geekness. I I'm on a podcast with you. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, but you're it's not a video podcast anyway. And even then, but you find it weird that people come up to you and go, "Oh, you're on a podcast with Saul." Blah 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 blah, and you're like, "Uh, you find <laughs> how it? do you know my name?" <laughs> well, there's a big old badge on you since you're on it. It's not a common name, but anyway. No, that's that's not true. I don't get embarrassed by by stuff. When I was when I went to the bank, there was a teller that looked at my oh, Star yeah. Trek shirt and went, oh, "You watch Star Trek?" <laughs> what a total nerd! And then he goes, "Do you play board games?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, I do." Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about this. I I have no. I have uh, well, people ask that? me all kinds of questions uh, now, but yeah. I think I think we were all embarrassed before. I mean, look at Mike. Right. Oh wait! Don't pick on Mike. No, no, but but he's a prime example. And there's a lot of people who hid their their gaming because I the, this the stigma happen. the stigma has gone away with all the, well, the millennials the and Gen Z. It's still around. It's still around. I mean, I remember uh, well, we're, we're, we were at some hotel uh, at a convention, and these uh, and because it's a hotel, and other people are there, and sometimes they're not nice. They're like, "Oh, what are you guys? What?" guys are a bunch of nerds i remember this young girl she was drunk and she came in in the evening i don't know what hotel it was i don't remember i think it was the oakland height hilton of all places and she's like she was like waking up going what's going on here who are all these it goes oh they're playing what a bunch of nerds right and this was years ago this is in the early 90s yeah it was probably early oh 2000 because it was when ian was born yeah ian was born yeah so yeah. it was around 2000. So it was 22 years ago, but not so long ago. And then, and then, and then, like I forget, somebody told him. Well, you know, try to explain to her, but she was drunk or high, <laughs> which is usually not a good time to explain things yeah. to people. <laughs> but but anyway, so it does happen. People still look at people and and wonder why you play games for kids and stuff like that. But improv lets you uh, get over that. That it's also called the uh, therapy. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> but I think it probably sounds like therapy to me. That embarrassment. That's what it is. It's embarrassment to to act in a, to well, act role playing games also help you to do that, right? They right. they help you to open up and and yeah, socialize. Be silly, right? Okay. Another thing you should do is try new things, right? Try different ways of of, of running a game. Trying different. Uh, Types of adventures, uh, combat encounter type of adventures. Try running a mystery game. See what how that works. Try running a romance themed. Just so you know, if, if your players are all into combat and you roll a mystery game, play a mystery game, they may step up and go, "Oh, this is cool." Yeah. But they may go, "When do I get to fight something?" Yeah. <laughs> That's happened to me. But GM at conventions. I think this is really. And if there's not a convention, maybe your local game Just store. start one. Just start a convention. What the hell? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to start big. Just go to your local library and start a gaming club. Or uh, there is game stores. That, you know, they, all they need is maybe somebody to give them the idea. You know, I want to run. Uh, let's run a little. I think a lot con. of game stores are. Oh, I don't, I don't know about the con idea. I yeah. know that game stores will let you run games. Right, run games, but but you want uh, what I'm saying about a con is you're gonna have an influx of people. I understand what you're saying. And other GMs. I'm just I'm GMs. just wanting to make sure that you realize that not everywhere has conventions. All right, right. So start your own. That's what I'm saying. There you go. <laughs> don't take a suggestion, people. It's a lot of work. I'm it sure. It's a lot of work. 
Even my 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 local my my yearly birthday party con that I call it uh, solid con. It is a lot of work. Not not one this year though. There you go. Sorry. Uh, GM at uh, uh, GM uh, play at conventions. Right. Even if even if you uh, or don't have the guts or don't have the the time to to run a game and plan a game, go play at a, a convention. Play with a, a GM that you don't know. Play with players you don't know. Because sometimes it's kind of random. They do this uh, local cons here. Do the randomizing thing where they you put in what game you want to play in, and then it, if there's more people want to play than there's slots to play, it randomizes who gets in. Right. That's the way it works around here. And uh, other players are first come first serve. Right. You buy a ticket. You buy a ticket, and then you you get in, and then you know you're in. Right. So you go to a game convention play with a gm you never don't know anything about or maybe heard oh this guy's a good gm and then obviously the players will be different i remember this one time when we ran a big game there was a bunch of players that wanted to play together and we uh, broke them up they They didn't like that well the the husband didn't like it the other ones did everybody else had a blast (laughs) yeah i think it was fun for her because she didn't have her funny duty husband with Anyway, I think he had fun. Did he? I think no, no, I'm talking it, about her. I, I think I think the husband I think had, she fun had more fun without him after <laughs> after he got over the after the he shock. kind of figured out what was going on, right? Yeah, yeah, because he came to my table after I didn't have a problem with him. Well, but he was also a lot of people get in the mindset that I want to play this game. I'm, right. I signed up for this game, and I'm like going, "You signed up for a game that says it has three tables, and it's a huge game, so." what do you expect yeah yeah anyway so play with play at at conventions with different gms and conventions are good places to go to to do this because obviously it, there's a lot of different people there right so it's oh, not yeah. just and game stores also you'll meet other people from your community the reason yeah the reason i say that is that one you're going to be exposed to people who have a Maybe different gaming style. They different different gaming style, different gaming background. Different GMing style. Different GMing style. Like let's say you play D and D, right? And I and I I was shocked. I I ran at a convention, uh, this last. When, when did we go? We went to Kublicon, right? And I ran an Aliens game, and I had three players that had never played anything but D and D. I was like, what? Well, and I don't like, I don't think you should be shocked by that because you've you've met people like that before. Yeah, but I just did. I just in uh what they were young no they weren't that they young. weren't well young. okay they were like under 25 oh so they were young uh, but they weren't like teenagers right another thing is that they were like one of them was like he took a picture of the game book because he had never he never really knew that there was other games in D. i'm like what? so they were young <laughs> I'm like what the heck you know i don't know how long they've been playing but at one point the guy goes yeah i've only played D. i go oh he goes there's a, i didn't know there was any other kind of games i'm like and that that's blew me away We'll see, but what? that is, but go right here to the freaking <laughs> dealer's room, and there's a ton of freaking RPGs. That was that's the advice you're giving people: go to a gaming convention, yeah. and you'll learn there's other games. And so he was so excited. The guy he took a picture of the game, the the the, the book, the alien book, the alien book, and he goes, "Where can I get this?" I go, "Go to the dealer's room, <laughs> right?" And, and and he goes, "Really?" I go, "Yeah, I'm sure they have it somewhere in the dealer room." And if not, you can go online to yeah. freely game yeah. get it. Yeah. No, this definitely was it. I mean, I don't know if it was, but probably was at the dealer's room. It was probably his first convention. I have no idea. I didn't ask him that, but it, but it was. I was kind. Of, I was kind of shocked that happened. I was like, really? Three of them. That's how you learn. There's other games by 
discovering yeah. that there's other games, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, maybe they're new to this hobby. I don't know. I thought it was strange. I thought it was strange. I thought they had been playing a, a, a while. I mean, they, they did have that sort of kid attitude, you know, like that enthusiasm. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because I, what can I do? I'm like, well, you can do this, you know, interaction, because I was playing, roll, you know, rolling, playing the uh, Aliens game, and they're like, wow. And then they were really scared, so I thought that was good. <laughs> Which you should be in that game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that I, I was really interesting. I think that does happen is people who are, I forget that there's people coming to the hobby that are not 12 years old and have their bro- older brother or their friend or their older, f- older, their friend's older brother or their younger brother to the game, right? Uh, people have been around their whole lives. And, oh, yeah, they know about role playing. Well, now they have D&D clubs at school, at high school. Sometimes. Oh, they always have had. But, but actually, according to my friends, it was clandestine <laughs> and they only played by it with themselves, right? Uh, I mean, their own, you know, it's each other. Which I was like, I was like, you guys, because I was at the same high school. I go, you guys play D and D in high school? They go, yeah. I go, when? And they were going to school. I was a senior, and they were, they were probably juniors or sophomores. No, freshmen, because they're I'm four years older than them. And because uh, I had I had Philip in my in my uh, in my geometry class. You're only I'm, two years older than him. How does that? Maybe he was a maybe sophomore. He, maybe he was a sophomore. So he had this big puffy jacket, mm-hmm. right? You know, the big puffy jackets from the 70s and 80s. And he always wore it because Salinas was always cold, chilly, overcast and stuff. But it wasn't that cold that she needed a parka thing. And he was this little redheaded kid. And I'm like, I didn't pay, pay him too much attention. But yeah, I knew who he was. And I definitely didn't know that he was playing D&D. And then like, we, we, now I know him. You know, we reconnected after oh, just a few years out of high school. And we, uh, we you know, kept in contact since. And now we play games together. But uh, it was funny because... Uh, because he told me that he used to play D&D at school. And I'm like, really? I never saw anybody playing D&D at school. But then again, I was in my own world. I certainly did not play D&D in high school. And did not, not take my, my... Not at high school. No, no, not at high school. I, during high school. I mean, at, when, when I was going to high school, I was playing D&D. But, uh, but not at high school. And I certainly did not take my player's handbook through the halls of North High, North <laughs> Salinas High. And though... I don't think I would have, you know, the people would have made fun of me, sure, but I don't think it would have gotten violent, right? One, I, I probably wouldn't allow them to get violent with me. Like, stick me in a garbage can. I guess that was kind of a thing that you did to to people who played D&D at certain high schools in certain places of the country. I've heard on other podcasts that have multiple different uh, hosts that hosted that. Yeah, they, they did that to them. And that's terrible, right? That's, you know, terrible... But that was, you know, bullying was allowed extensively and probably uh, endorsed by the administrative system. Existed back then. But that never happened to me, one, because I never told anybody I played. And and a few people that did know, know, they didn't care. So examples of me as a GM having what I consider being in my groove. Uh, It's happened in different times. I'm going to try to be quick. I ran a game called, I called Death at Point Pinos lighthouse which is in monterey i ran it using my own porting of monterey dresden which was i call it monterey dresden because it was in the dresden universe and i used that kind of stuff and then i didn't use the dresden files game i used uh, fate core and probably if i were to run it again i, I might use a accelerated one because accelerated one is even easier with no skills it just approaches they call it I think it's pretty cool. I played that game. Everybody was really interested in trying to figure out what was going on. 
and they just couldn't get it right there was just like they were like one leap away and you know they were laughing at things and and it was just this big bolsters group and then when they figured it out it was like a lightning rod like wham they figured it out and then they then they had to act so which was it was a really cool game really fun i had a fun time running that one the other ones were uh the sackby road is a tecamo game i used it running bethorm uh, i ran it four times each time was totally different and i really liked it i just every every group every time i've run that it's it was a different experience and it was a really good experience everybody seemed to be having fun everybody was invested in the game which i think was pretty neat another one was space opera game i ran years ago it was a i i called it i really loved lethal weapon when they had that south african guy he was a politician and he says you can't touch me i have diplomatic immunity so i love that idea that you that these i don't love the idea but that that was a good way to really get into the skin of of the players that these guys have diplomatic immunity because you can't touch those people right not lay a hand on them certainly can't throw them in jail but they knew they're bad and they knew they were doing bad things and they were, you uh, can always send them out of space lock though no you can't that's illegal hello killing people who's gonna know well there's cameras everywhere i was really digging into the underneath their skin of the players with the, with the whole deal about that and then they got their ultimate revenge and it was fantastic they were all cheering cheering at what they had accomplished which i thought was pretty cool my campaign to the king uh i ran it with i think i started with pathfinder we might have been fifth edition but it was a really fun introduction i think that it was probably my, one of my f- best starting campaigns even though i didn't have a session zero i had a session zero over email weeks in email and trying to machinate my machinations trying to get everybody together in a, in a certain mindset and when we played everybody really liked it uh, Storm King's Thunder, I think it was a really fun campaign. Everybody seemed to like it. It was, and this is really, I think it's one of the best published campaigns I've ever read and ran. So it's really good. To me, the most important thing is, uh, things of the GM is just GM as much as you can. And you learn from every time you GM. GM with different people, you're going to learn how different players act and react. Sometimes they're really helpful. A player will say, oh, you know, maybe you could have done this this way and then this would have happened this way. And that's happened to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. And, it, and it's something that just doesn't come to your mind because, you know, you have your own brain and you're, you think a certain way. Other people have their own brains. Imagine that. And they think a different way. So when they see the situation, they see it a different, from a different angle or a different way how to solve or deal with whatever's going on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that would have been better. And I can see it. So basically all these ideas that you're giving out are to help the GM enjoy themselves and run a good game. And run a good game where everybody's having fun. Players and GM alike. And I think that's that's what we're after sometimes. And I think uh, we sometimes that doesn't happen. And I think that's not terrible, but that's going to happen anyway. But to have more games that go really well where everybody is just excited to be at that gaming table. I think that's cool. I think that's that's GMing gold or role-playing gold when that happens. So there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day.